your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Today is the 38th anniversary of the 1980 Miracle on Ice. U.S. College Kids 3, Russian Superstar Professionals 2. Oh, wait, it was 4-3. How can I get the score wrong? The late Herb Brooks coached that team, and Herb was really, really hard on those players. There were factions on that team, Boston and Minnesota, and Herb felt if the players hated him, they wouldn't have time to hate each other. It worked, as beating Russia would indicate, as winning gold would indicate. But thank God the Aliquippa School Board wasn't in charge of USA Hockey then. Mrs. McClanahan would have complained because Coach Brooks was mean to her little Robbie, and Herb would have got fired after the U.S. lost that exhibition game to Russia 10-3. Measure coaches by wins, by what they do for their players, and by how they conduct themselves. Mike Zemanik gets high marks in all three categories, but he was too old and too white. That shouldn't matter, but it did. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Why are you still talking about this story? Why are you still talking about Zemanik? Why are you still talking about Aliquippa? That's on my Twitter. Perhaps you'd like to switch over to the B team, and because the Pirates got a good player, they can pretend the Pirates are good more effectively today than they usually do. But that's all it is, is pretending. Hey, I'm glad the Pirates got Corey Dickerson. Full marks for spending a little more money and making what is actually a baseball trade, but it won't get them to 500 let alone get them to contention. Uh, tweet from RK. One that goes overlooked with Aliquippa football is how long they have elected to play up in classification despite almost always being in the lowest classification based on enrollment. That's a big counter-argument to Reverend Ezra saying they've won only one PIAA title. Uh, somebody tweeted me a... A, a thing from U.S. News and World Report. I, I tend to not trust these things too much because who knows how they're compiled, but apparently Aliquippa High School score for math proficiency is 31%. Their score for English proficiency is 37%. So maybe the school board's looking at the wrong issue and firing the wrong guy. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I, I want to go over the Penguin lines real quick because we will transition to Penguin talk at some point today. Hornquist was practicing today. It looks like he may be ready for the weekend. So the lines were Simone, Crosby, and Rust, Haglund, Malkin, and Hornquist, Gensel, Shane, and Kessel, Aston, Reese, and Ronnie with Sherry and Reeves uh, alternating on fourth line right wing. And given the choice between those two, I'd play Reeves if it's a fourth-line role. And why is Aston Reese with four goals in eight games on the fourth line and Dominique Simone with no goals in ten games on the first line? I know Sid likes speed, and Simone has more than Aston Reese, but that's why you got to get Grabner. 
because Crosby just doesn't have enough talent to play with if you want to keep the talent and the three superstars each on their own line. Sid Campolo's excrement forever, so go get Grabner. Or put Gensel back on Sid's line. But I would go get Grabner. Let's go to Greg in Ross Township. Greg, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. Hey, there's a woman that I've known for three years through a business uh, arrangement, and she lives in Aliquippa, and there's all the board members, and there's all the coaches, all the players, there's all the banquets, etc. I walked into this place of business on Monday, and she was smiling and grinning like you can't believe it, and she immediately told me that they were going to fire Semantic. And I said, well, why? Her first reason that she gave me was he can't coach. And she emphasized she, he can't Now, what does this coach. woman do for a living? She's a receptionist. Oh, well, you know what? If I would rely on any profession to tell me who can and can't coach football, it would be the receptionist of the area. Well, it wasn't her opinion necessarily. That's what I'm no. saying. It was everyone else's opinion because she's so connected through that entire, you know, um, uh, if that's what they're saying, that's ridiculous. Thank you for the call. He's too old and too white. That's why Aliquippa got rid of Mike Zemanik. And anyone who ignores the racial component is insane. Just doesn't want to see it. And as I said, it shows open. If a black man coached in a predominantly white district, an affluent district, like a Fox Chapel or North Allegheny, and won six Whipfield titles in 21 years, but got fired, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson would be picketing the high school in 15 minutes. A black community can decide it wants a black coach to represent, but not vice versa. Can't do that in a white community. Should you be able to? I don't think so. I don't think you should be able to do it in either community. I don't think jobs like this should be given along racial guidelines in any community, be it black or white. Let's go. This guy's a dink, so I'm going to have him on for like very short time to prove he's not a dink, but I'm sure he won't last long. Twash, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, that's uh, not that. I, I'm already tired of you. Goodbye. I kept that, that jerk off on hold for like 10, 15 minutes and just hung up on him as soon as he got on. <laughs> 412-333-9939. You know what no one's done uh, in the show's first 70 minutes today? Nobody's called up and said it's not a race issue. It's a race issue. When they won't give you an answer, look for the obvious answer. When they won't give you a reason, look for the obvious reason. The black community is tired of the white coach, and they're going to hire a black coach. What are the odds the next coach is going to be white? You couldn't get odds on that in Vegas. This is a bigger long shot than the Vegas Golden Knights. 412-333-9939, the number to call at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we talk hockey with Josh Show. If you want to steer the show in a hockey direction, now is a good time to do it. Don't forget, I'll be at the Bridgeville Volunteer Fire Department tomorrow night to watch the Penguins game. Going to do Q&As. It benefits South Bay at hockey. Frankie LaRue will be there as well. Big 15-foot TV screen. Yikes. 
And I'll be giving away a few tickets to that event a little bit later than Saturday for that Penguin game. I'll be at Willie's Bar and Grill in Fredericton, PA. I'm really looking forward to that. It's a long drive, but they must really want me if they're bringing me 50. In, I looked at the map quest. From my house door to door, Willie's Bar and Grill is 59 minutes away. Well, at least it's not an hour. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Hey, Mark. I want a sugar daddy. Double M, not the hang. How about all at once? The X at 105.9. Now, here's some good news. Returning to the IFC channel on April 25th, Brock Meyer, starring Hank Azaria. That's April 25th, the return of Brock Meyer for season two, to which I can only add, everybody drink a beer. We're drinking a beer. We're having a beer. Uh, some comedian from Saturday Night Live, Leslie Jones, is doing some work at the Olympics for NBC. And Shane went ballistic on social media because between the second and third period of the women's hockey gold medal game, Pierre Maguire asked the USA women's hockey player about finishing second at Sochi four years ago. The disappointment. So this Leslie Jones calls Pierre an effing a-hole over and over, even though Pierre's question was totally relevant. And that, in a nutshell, is amateur hour sports media. Just yell F-bombs real loud. NBC should fire Leslie Jones, but they won't because, well, they just won't. I bet you can figure it out, but trust me, they won't. Kawhi Leonard from the San Antonio Spurs is cleared to play, but he won't play. Why not? Why won't he play? Why isn't that a big story? All right, because it's basketball, and this is Pittsburgh. Let's go to Ethan in Slippery Rock. Ethan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? Great. Um, so I was reading online on NHL. Uh, they were saying something about how Derek Broussard would be a good pick up for the Penguins. And I understand uh, his salary would be a little more. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a $5 million cap hit, and he has one more year remaining on his deal. So if you trade for Broussard, you not only give up a ton in return, but then you couldn't afford to bring back Hornquist. Not that I think they're going to do that anyway, but that would eliminate the possibility and that would mean there would not be a big off-season signing. Broussard would not only be your big get now, he'd be your big get for next season. Right. Okay. That's all I was wondering. Thank you. So let's go to Adam and Edgewood. Adam, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. Two hockey questions for you. Yep. Uh, the first, if they're looking for speed, why not just put Sherry up with Crosby? They do put Sherry with Crosby, and Sherry's not as fast as Grabner. He's not as fast as Haglin. Sherry's not a speed burner. He's quick, and he can play with Crosby. But I think that idea's time has come and gone. And my second question is, why does it seem like the coaching staff has so much more patience with Gensel when he struggles as opposed to Sherry? Gensel's a much better player than Sherry. Much better. Why, you think Sherry and Gensel are comparable? No, I don't. But I think Sherry has proven that he does have success with Crosby based on the past. Yeah, and I think that Gensel has proven he could have more success with Crosby. And I think Grabner would have more success still with Crosby. I think there's lots of guys who have done better with Crosby and would do better with Sid than Connor Sherry. 
Let's go to Lou and Plum. Lou, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good day, Mr. Madden. Right. Now, <clears throat> I definitely think it's a racist issue. Now, no, 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 I, did, I never said racist. It's a race issue. Well, whatever it is, call it state or spade. But let me yeah, goodbye, you, goodbye, goodbye. Friggin' a-hole. Wish Leslie Jones was here to give you what's what. Friggin' idiot. Yoey's up next. Let's get ready for Yoey. And everybody drink a beer. Josh Yoey's up next. We'll be drinking a beer. We're drinking a beer on 105.9 The X. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Joining me now to talk Penguins from The Athletic, he is Josh Yoey. Josh Hornquist practice today. Uh, what's the timetable for his return? It looks possible for this weekend, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, Mark, I wouldn't be shocked if he is able to play in Raleigh or Florida this weekend. And if he doesn't play in those games, I certainly think he will be back by uh, next Tuesday's uh, showdown with the Devils in Pittsburgh. So, uh, yeah, he is looking pretty close. And I don't think anybody can ignore just how important Patrick Hornquist is to the Penguins. So they've been winning without him, but they're a different team without him. And uh, it's certainly good news that he'll be back soon. We'll get to trade possibilities in just one second. But the lines look kind of funny right now. Sherry and Aston Reese on the fourth line and Simone on the first. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if Connor Sherry's not even in the lineup uh, soon, maybe as soon as tomorrow night in Raleigh even. He is really struggling. And, and to me, he is the classic case of a guy who, if he's not scoring, he's really not helping you. And he's not scoring right now. He, he's really struggling. He's a streaky player. He's in one of his funks right now, no question. Um, the Aston Reese Simone thing, I think um, that's a bigger issue going on, and, and that is I don't think Sidney Crosby is comfortable with any of his line mates right now. And they're kind of going on a rotation right now to see who's on the top line, and, and I think that's something that they need to figure out pretty soon because uh, you know he's not the kind of guy who's ever going to complain about his line mates publicly or maybe even privately, but you can just tell by his body language he's not comfortable with these guys right now. Who would help the Penguins more, and who are they more likely to get, Josh? Uh, Michael Grabner or Derek Broussard? Um, well, they would both help. Uh, there's no question about that. I think Grabner is far more likely. Uh, the asking price for Derek Broussard is insane. He's a really good player. But do you give up a first-round pick and Daniel Sprague and Connor Sherry for him? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think Jim Rutherford's going to do that anyway. Uh, Grabner makes so much sense, Mark. He, there's a winger for Sid. You know, Sid likes playing with fast guys. Well, good luck finding anybody faster than Michael Grabner. Um, he's a great penalty killer. Uh, he, he does it all. He's just a really good player. And I know for a fact the Penguins have had their eye on him for quite some time. They have always been impressed with him. He always plays well against them, so he gets their attention. Um, I think that's the far more likely thing. And I think he could help just as much as Broussard. As good of a player as Broussard is, I certainly think Grabner is in his league. Now, uh, Broussard has another year left on his deal. And what I've been putting forth is, if the Penguins would acquire him, not only would the price be prohibitive, but with his $5 million cap hit, you're not going to be able to even try to bring back Hornquist. Broussard would be your big acquisition now, and it'd be the equivalent of your big off-season acquisition as well. It would, um, you know, there's pros and cons with the, the quote-unquote three-center model like that. And we saw that in the past with Crosby and Malkin and Stahl. Hey, that's a great thing to have, 
but you're also going to go cheap everywhere else when you're spending that much money on one position. That's just the way it is. And if I think I have a chance to bring back Patrick Hornquist, um, I have to consider having Broussard's salary on the books and what that would do. Well, that because, said, Josh, uh, I, I don't think they have a chance, do you? Oh, I wouldn't say they don't have a chance. I, I, I think I think they're going to try. I still believe that. Uh, however, Hornquist has so much leverage now. And, I mean, I can't even imagine what, what he might get paid this summer on the open market because not only is he a wonderful player and still fairly young at 31, but, my gosh, is he ever the ultimate example of a guy that a team would say, boy, that there's the guy who will put us over the top. There's the guy who wins big games and knows how to win in the playoffs. And guys like that always get paid even more than they're worth. So if he gets to July 1st, obviously he's not coming back. But I, I really think Rutherford will try at some point that uh, contract with Hornquist. But um, the longer this goes on, the more you wonder, no question. Who or what is Jim Rutherford most likely to trade? The more I hear him say he wouldn't trade Gustafson, the kid goaltender, well, the more I wonder if he just might. Well, he will only trade him if there is a significant return. Um, I mean, a big-time name, because they think he has an unbelievable future. Um, it's funny with Jim. He's generally more likely to trade draft picks than he has prospects, and, and I've asked him before about his, his philosophy regarding just that, and he will very bluntly tell you that, well, if I have the 30th pick in the draft, I have no idea if that guy's going to be a good player or not. But then he'll say, I know Daniel Sprong's going to be a good player. I know Gustafson's going to be a big player. So, therefore, he's he's far less likely to trade guys like that. But I'll tell you, Mark, uh, the more I talk with Jim and the more I talk with people around the league who are in contact with Jim, it sure feels like he wants to make a little bit of a splash. And I'm talking about more than just a fourth-line center. I, I think he's going to be very active in the next 72 hours or so. Well, in that vein... If Rutherford would have traded somebody from out of left field that you'd never figure he would, who would that be? Because I think he'd be very hesitant to trade somebody off his NHL roster, and that includes Sherry, unless, like you said, it's a great deal. Right. Well, I mean, Sherry's one of the few guys I think he'd be willing to trade. Um, you know, Tristan Jari is a guy who it wouldn't shock me if he got traded. Now, the only problem is if you trade him, uh, maybe that means you have to go out and get a backup goaltender unless you're that comfortable with Casey DeSmith, and I, I don't know that they are, even though he played really well. But, no, he's not going to trade any of uh, the huge names off of the roster. I, I'd be very surprised anyway. I, I don't foresee something like in 1992 when the Penguins traded Recky and Coffee in the Taka trade. I, I, I think that would uh, be quite unlikely. He, he loves this team the way it is. But, you know, Jim is certainly willing to trade prospects. He's sure as heck willing to trade draft picks. And the only problem with that is, you know, fitting everything under the salary cap. But uh, he, he's going to be aggressive. There's no doubt in my mind because he thinks, you know, if you go back to December, Mark, and he was legitimately concerned about this team. And, and now it's completely different a couple of months later. And he feels like, you know what, they might be the best team in the league again. So I better help them out as much as I can because they have a chance to make history here. We're talking to Josh Showy of The Athletic. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital and by Window Nation. Uh, Josh, what's the cap situation like? How much finagling needs to be done to facilitate any deal, let alone a big deal? Well, they have enough room where they could bring in somebody, uh, somebody like Matt Cullen or somebody who doesn't make a lot of money, and there would be no issues. Uh, however, if they are going to bring in somebody that we've discussed, you know, somebody like a, a Michael Grabner, even though he doesn't make that much money, but especially a Broussard, um, yeah, they would either have to trade a good 
chunk of money or a good, good salary off of their current roster or money would have to be absorbed by one of the teams in the deals. But you know what? Uh, Jim Rutherford has a way of making things like that happen. So while the salary cap is an obstacle, if he really wants somebody, I, I think he'll go out and get him. And the name I keep going back to, Mark, is Michael Grabner. Uh, he doesn't make that much money, so salary wouldn't be a huge deal with him. And I, I've been told by a number of people in the last couple of weeks that that's really the guy Jim Rutherford wants. So I, I think it bears watching. Is Ian Cole in the lineup for keeps now? And what happens to Matt Hunwick? Uh, yeah, I mean, Cole's absolutely in the lineup. I don't think he ever should have been out of the lineup, quite frankly. But uh, he is playing really, really good hockey right now. He's like a, yeah, for what it's worth with the plus-minus set, I think he's like a plus-12 in his last 13 games or something like that. Um, sometimes those numbers don't lie. He is playing really inspired hockey right now. He's in the lineup. I, I think we very clearly see who the Penguins' top six are. Uh, you know, having Hunwick and Ruedel, however, is great insurance. Um, that's a pretty darn nice thing to have as your 7-8 and eight defenseman. Uh, there is a chance Hunwick will be traded. I think if they have to clear up salary space, they wouldn't be adverse to getting rid of him. He would probably be pretty high on the list, in fact, of guys they're willing to deal. But I don't necessarily sense that they want to because you do need guys like that in the playoffs. Your defenseman. Oh, Josh, I think Hunwick and Ruedel are the perfect 7-8. and eight. Yeah. Oh, they are, and because one guy plays the left, one guy plays the right. Uh, you know, if Schultz gets hurt in the playoffs, you plug in Ruedel. If Mata gets hurt, you, you plug in Hunwick. Um, no, it's a perfect setup, and not many teams have that luxury, and that's a luxury that uh, can go a long way in the postseason, as we know. Who still needs to play better? Because it's the first of the year, I don't see too many weak spots. Guys like Murray, Latang, and Gensel are, are all getting there, aren't they? Uh, they are. Um, I, I would port, point toward Jake Gensel and say that I, I still think Jake is a very important guy. He has not played at the level this season that he played at last season, and maybe that would have been expecting a bit much. But uh, I still would not be shocked, Mark, if Jake Gensel ends up on Sidney Crosby's line at some point. Um, I, I do believe there is real chemistry between those two. We saw it in the playoffs last season. We saw it early in the preseason this year. It was there. And uh, maybe the winger for Sid is right there all along. And, you know, I know Sullivan hasn't been thrilled with Gensel's season, I've sensed. Uh, I think he's been a little up and down, which, you know, he's still a young guy. We have to remember that. It's his first full NHL season. But uh, he's the guy I look at. When he starts scoring goals, that just puts the Penguins over the top because the way Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel are playing right now, uh, they're going to score. When, when you get the secondary scoring from a guy like Jake Gensel, uh, who's going to stop them in a seven-game series if they're healthy? Uh, Josh, this just in. Uh, the New York Rangers are scratching Nash and Grabner tonight against Montreal. Uh, perhaps steals are imminent or, at the very least, likely. Uh, actually, Grabner getting scratched a couple days before the deadline fits Rutherford's M.O. because he doesn't like to linger till the last minute. If possible, then again, like Pierre Lebrun from the Athletics said earlier today, uh, the demand is really great for Grabner, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. Now, is that game in Montreal or New York? Because if it's in Montreal, perhaps there was an incident in Shea Paris, and that's why they're not playing, Mark. I don't know. I can't uh, confirm or deny that. But uh, you are I can certainly right. guess. <laughs> Indeed. Um, no, Grafter's in demand, not only because he's having a great season. My God, it is at Montreal. I, I heard I heard they were both in an Uber that crashed between Wicked Wanda's and Shea Paris. <laughs> Well, there you go. But uh, I think um, I think Grabner makes what one point six million. Correct. So that that's part of the reason he's in such demand. Uh, he can fit pretty much in anybody's salary situation. 
and the way he's playing, everybody wants the guy. So, yeah, Jim Rutherford wants him, but, but he obviously is not alone, and that gives the Rangers a lot of leverage here. Uh, you, you mentioned Gensel back on Sid's line. Uh, where does Sullivan stand right now, do you think, when it comes to keeping Kessel, Malkin, and Sid split up? Uh, right now, Kessel's slumping. I don't think that's necessarily due to him being on a second-rate line, but uh, I still question whether they can do that without a, a big-time third-line center. Well, it's a fair question. Uh, Sullivan, every time I've asked about it, he's pretty adamant that he prefers those three guys split up. So does Jim Rutherford. Um, well, and, and Josh, close- here's the kind of hidden uh, codicil there, is that because Kessel's not playing with Geno, it's made, uh, excuse me, it's made Geno into a shooter. And if you put Kessel back with Malkin, they defer to each other too much, and Kessel never plays with Sid. So I'm not sure what the options really are right now. That's right. And also, you know, coaches often think of defense first. And just from a defensive standpoint, I know for a fact that Kessel and Malkin together drive Sullivan absolutely crazy. So that's something to keep in mind. He prefers to keep them separated. Uh, Riley Shane's playing really well. He's playing at a higher level than I anticipated. Now, does that mean he's going to produce in the playoffs? I don't know. Um, that That's a risk you take if you stick with this current setup. And we know Kessel and Malkin, for all that they might drive the coach nuts, they also sure as heck score when they're on the ice together. So that's something to keep in mind. But uh, everything I've been told indicates very strongly that those three will be kept on three different lines. So Shan's going to have to figure it out, I think, because uh, the odds of Broussard or a number three kind of center coming in here are not real good. And if it is a guy like Matt Cullen, I still think, you know, a guy like Colin or Latestu is going to be on the fourth line. Still, still Shane with Kessel, in my opinion. And finally, Josh, the Penguins visit Carolina tomorrow. The Hurricanes have lost three in a row, but they're hanging in there in that playoff race, aren't they? They are. They're they're getting there. Ron Francis has done a pretty nice job. They don't have a lot of money to spend, but they've got some really good young pieces. They can really skate. You'll see that tomorrow night. They're one of the few teams in the league. Uh, they've given the Penguins fits this season because they can keep up with them. They don't have the star power, obviously, that Pittsburgh has, but they absolutely can skate, and uh, it will be interesting to see if they can stay alive for the playoffs. So there's some separation in the Metro now, Mark. Uh, Jersey and Philly have really pulled away from the pack, and they're right on the uh, Penguins and Capitals' tails. I'm very interested to see if Carolina or the Islanders can uh, give them a run. Josh, great stuff. We'll do it again next week. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Showy, a veteran of the Shea Paris Wars in Montreal himself. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, and we got uh, Mike White of the Post-Gazette had some interesting things to say about the Reverend Ezra Lowe, uh, the, the school board member now Equipa, who spoke so terribly about Mike Semanic after conspiring with the rest of the school board to screw one of the Whippeals best coaches ever out of his job at a school board meeting last night. 105.90X. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Super genius, big, big fan. See, you're just screwing with me. You're doing a good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. Welcome now, Bob McLaughlin, the show's producer. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what's your thoughts on the way the Zemanic thing played out? Uh, I seem to recall you didn't think they were actually going to ask them, but uh, the Aliquippa School Board did. 
Well, no, I thought it was more going to be about age than race, but I said that their minds were made up, made up yesterday going into that meeting. I thought that they were definitely going to oust them. Uh, but I did change my mind on what it was all about, Mark. You know, looking at some of those comments and looking at some of the non-comments from other people on that school board and the superintendent, say whatever they want. It has to be about those two things, age and race, and I think that race has to do more with it now. There's a quote. Somebody tweeted me a quote, but I can't find where it appeared. That said, uh, the Reverend Ezra Lowe said that he wants the coach to look like the kids he coaches. That is a shocking uh, and really straightforward quote. At least it's an admission, and maybe it's about time, too. Well, then there's, you know, there's my absolute answer. If that was said, then, you know, you need to ask me, but somebody needs to follow up with him by what exactly he means by that. And, Mark, you're going to have. Well, what else could he mean by that? Exactly. And you're going to have this. School boards, superintendents, teachers, whenever moves are made like this, you are going to have all of this questioning, all of this, you know, behind the scenes stuff if they're not fully transparent. It is up to the school board. It is up to the superintendent to be nothing but that. They have to explain their reasons. Well, you're right. There should have been an official explanation when you fire a coach of that pedigree and accomplishment. Exactly. Put it on paper, put it on social media, put it anywhere, release it, you know, as a news release. It has to be transparent. There has to be a reason because if you don't have one, and we've seen this with sports teams when moves are made, there's all sorts of, you know, underlying things. Why was this done? Could it have been this? Could it have been that? Make it simple. Put the reason out there. Uh, Mike White of the Post Gazette had some interesting things to say about uh, Zemanik's uh, firing. We'll get to that in the next hour. Bob, uh, did you watch the gold medal game between Canada and the U.S., the uh, U.S. women winning gold in the hockey final at the Olympics. Watched a little bit of it, fell asleep. But I did see all of the uh, important moments, and I can't believe a game like that is decided with a shootout. Well, so you would keep playing overtime to a finish? I would, yeah. Do you think that's safe with women? Um, Sure. I mean, they're still athletes. You know, they've still been through but the... They're not playing contact. I mean, right. there's minimal contact, but technically it's a no-contact sport. Sure, if they can go through that with three periods and then a full overtime like that, I, I think that they just owe it to the game and to the people watching it and that invested in it that they get a fair ending. Not to say that this wasn't... Oh, I, I think the U.S. was worthy winner. Uh, uh, I do, too. I, I think the team that dominated overtime uh, won in the shootout. Okay, that's, that's fair. And look, it, it is to a point fair when they go that deep into the shootout and when you have people making it on both sides and it's that nice of a stop that ends it. Um, but I, I would like to see it carried all the way through because yeah, we've lived through that with the Penguins and with other hockey games. See, I, I'm totally the opposite, Bob. I would limit Stanley Cup playoff games to uh, an overtime, then a shootout. One overtime, one 20-minute overtime, and then a shootout. I am shocked to hear that. Shocked. People Shocked, got, I say. People got stuff to do, Bob. That's Bob <laughs> McLaughlin brought you by 84 Lumber. In uh, a few moments, you won't be surprised who makes the list. Mike White of the post some said some interesting things about the Zamanic firing at Aliquippa. I'll get to those as well. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.